You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 184. In this episode, I'm speaking to Joe Dots on the fundamentals of overcoming digital overwhelm. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. Today's guest is Joe Dutz, who works with business owners and professionals to improve their productivity and well-being as well as helping business leaders increase their employee engagement and organizational well-being. In this episode, we dive into the five fundamentals to overcome digital overwhelm. Go to signal.com forward slash 184 for the show notes, and there you'll also find links to Joe Dots. I'm so excited to be here with Joe Dots who actually is here because we have someone on our team, <laughs> the same person on both our teams that has connected us together. So I have a wonderful show note writer and it turns out Joe has the same one and she said, you two need to speak. And I said, okay, let's do it. <laughs> Welcome on the show, Joe. <laughs> Thank you. Really pleased to be here, Sig. I'm really en enjoying the opportunity and great that we've got that uh, contact and people feel able to introduce us to each other. <laughs> yes, yes. So I have already had two podcast episodes on overwhelm and it's a topic that comes up again and again. And that's also something that you do in your business. But before we dive into that, how come overwhelm or self-care or generally well-being has become your topic? There must be a story to that. There is most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> you presumably want the short version, you haven't got all day. So my original background was corporate HR. I worked in HR for about 20 years. And then 12 years ago, I wanted to have a child. So uh, I actually started a business so that I could work from home in order to have a child and stay at home rather than a lot of people sort of go on maternity leave and, and end up just staying, don't they? Uh, so I started a publishing business, which had nothing to do with what I was originally doing. I just read a story in a magazine about a lady who'd started a local magazine and it had worked really well for her and uh, her and her husband were selling the instructions on how to do that so I thought well how hard can it be I'll um I'll do that so I bought the information and I actually negotiated to do reduced hours in my corporate role I was an HR director I ended up doing three days a week doing that and two days a week setting up my business then I got pregnant then I um went on maternity leave and madly in the same month that my daughter was born I launched another handbook as well so I had two magazines by the time that uh, she was a month old <laughs> so maybe the overwhelm started then <laughs> <laughs> what were the magazines about? So they were local magazines. So they had advertising for local businesses and they had, you know, local articles about places to visit and 
you know, things to do and so on. They were quite new then. I mean, there's a lot of that sort of stuff around now, 12 years later, but at the time there wasn't anything locally. So it, it kicked off really quickly. I hated selling advertising, but I networked really effectively and, and all the time. And so after the first one, which half of which I'd sold to my hairdresser and my dentist and you know people that knew me, I didn't really have to sell the advertising because people would either get a good result from it and keep advertising with me, or they'd meet me networking and somebody would say, you should try this out. It works really well. So at one stage I had eight magazines and actually I look back now and I have no idea how I managed to go to print with eight magazines with eight different print deadlines and um, you know all of the trauma that that caused. Um, although I do remember things like the first year, so when Ellie was a year old, we went to France for a week with the family and we had a very big debate, my husband and myself, before we went as to whether I should go or not because I wanted to be at the first international holiday for Ellie, but I also had so much work to do. So in the end, we went, um, I went with them, but I spent every day in a pub in a village in France <laughs> that had a really slow internet connection. And I literally worked every day we were there uh, because there was no other option. So that sort of set the tone, I suppose, for how things were. And then I went through, I'd read a book about how to create WordPress websites. And then I thought, oh, I can teach my customers how to do that. And that was when people still didn't believe they needed a website. So you can tell, you know, that that was a few years ago. And then social media came along and I started to do social media early on, built quite a strong profile and then started teaching my clients how to use social media again when they didn't think they needed it. It's so ubiquitous now, but, you know, at the time it was, um, you know, I was really trying to convince people that it was the thing they needed to, to be doing. So I did that. And then five years ago, decided that social media and digital tools were going to become more and more important in big corporates for collaboration and communication and engaging people. And so I actually just really went back to my HR roots and focused on employee engagement and using the social and digital tools. And that sort of came about and was at the same time as we had a number of, uh, we had a couple of deaths. My mum and her partner died and my um, now late father-in-law was diagnosed with cancer and it was all in the same year. And I sort of realised that I could go back to corporate and earn more money per day at that time because I was still trying to convince people social media was what they needed to do. They weren't willing to really pay for the training a lot of the time. So I could go into corporate, earn you know reasonable chunks of money for doing, in effect, less work and really sort of review my life as a result of having this like real shock that, you know, everyone tells us, don't they, for years and years that... Um, we need to live in the moment and we need to enjoy the journey and that you know it's not all about getting somewhere because you never know if you'll be there tomorrow, never mind next week, never mind next year. And we don't really believe it when we're young, do we? We sort of think we're invincible. And uh, what was that, 2012? So I would have been 42. And um, my mom, as I say, you know, both my mum and partner died. My dad died many years ago. You know, I suddenly had this sort of mortality thing hit me in the face and um, realised that actually spending all my time working was not really what I wanted to do and wasn't a very sensible thing to do and wasn't very healthy for me. And so I had a, a massive sort of epiphany and really started to look at exactly what I wanted to do, what I didn't want to do and how I could craft my life and my business around that. And then I started to do that. And then it sort of morphed as, as these things do for us uh, business owners into an offering for other people, which was to help them to, to do the same. And uh, so now I specialise in productivity and well-being because I think with the digital overwhelm and all the sort of noise that's coming at us all the time now you know nobody's ever really trained us to 
you know, manage our email better and, and not be overwhelmed by all these notifications and everything else. So, you know, I sort of look at that. And then I also work with organisations around employee engagement. So I do uh, workshops and consultancy and, and speaking around the engagement piece as well, because well-being and engagement in organisations and digital overwhelm and productivity obviously is a big thing as well. So, so yeah, so there is a story. <laughs> It is quite personal. And uh, my big thing is, you, as I said, I've said to you before we started, you know, you need to decide what you want to do and then work out how to do more of that and work out how to do less of the stuff that you don't want to do. And the show notes was a good example. <laughs> I hated doing my show notes before, so I outsourced them because I found um, a company who are very good at doing them. And actually that took away a massive blocker on me getting my podcast published because I just didn't want to do them. <laughs> That was a wonderful <laughs> circling back to our start. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Digital overwhelm, because sometimes when I hear overwhelm, it's something because people are trying to do a lot in their business. But I think digital overwhelm is part of it is just all these tools and notifications. So I guess, yeah, we're not been trained. And I know because I get easily <laughs> distracted. <laughs> I easily lose focus. I've turned notifications off everything. I don't even have my phone on. You can't call me. You just can't call me. My If anyone wants to reach me, it has to be over email or messenger or something. You can't call me because I just, it's so disruptive to to my focus. Yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm much the same. In fact, my husband the other day was, uh, we were in the theater and he said, switch your phone off. And I said, how long have you known me? I said, have you ever heard my phone ring? And he was like, no. I said, have you ever heard it beep with text? And he was like, no. I was like, well... <laughs> How did you not remember that? I said, but, you know, I don't. He said, well, how do you get phone calls then? And I said, well, on the odd occasion, I'm looking at my phone when it rings. I might answer it. But generally, <laughs> I wait till I get the voicemail or I make people email me and, and arrange an appointment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm much the same. I'm the same. It couldn't be a coincidence I'm looking at the phone when somebody calls. So, Or if I know I'm getting a phone call. I had uh, some builders here in my home yesterday and I knew they had to call me, but then I have the phone in front of me. I still had it, the sound off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm saying the same. And, you know, I think so many people are worried about missing out and, and, you know, that something might happen that they don't yet know about. And, and I suppose we're, you know, old enough to remember when we didn't have any of these immediate bits of information. And actually, I find equally frustrating and heartening is that my 11-year-old is absolutely rubbish at replying to my messages on text when I send her anything, which I know is because she's not looking at her phone all the time. Um, sometimes it is, and she's just ignoring me. <laughs> but uh, I, I sort of, I feel like she hasn't yet been swept into this thing of having to be always on and always available, you know, and always, you know, responding to beeps and, and things, you know, because I, I just think that's so much healthier. But so many people do worry, don't they? But yeah, I'm the same. I have all my notifications off. I tend to use my phone actually as... The prompt. So I, I have um, things like I use Slack in a number of my business partnerships and so on. And I don't have it on on my computer mostly because I don't like it on on there. And I don't like things popping up when I'm working. But I do have it on my phone because I can choose whether to look at the notification for that or not. Because it's, you know, it's on the screen. I can look or I don't have to. Whereas on the computer, as you say, I just find it distracting because it, you know, it is in, interruptive. But I was talking to a friend this morning, in fact, and he was saying, 
that he finds Slack difficult because people expect a quick response. And I said, well, the whole point of it is it's supposed to be asynchronous. You're not supposed to have to respond straight away. Why, you know, why is that the case? But he's working with a particular culture. And he said in their culture, they do expect an immediate response. And I said, well, you just need to tell them they're not going to get one. <laughs> just manage their expectations. You don't have to do what they do, <laughs> which I think is a good bit of advice for everyone. You don't have to do what everyone else does. <laughs> no, I want to come back to the fear of missing out. Isn't that the reason why why not everyone has turned off notifications or is thinking they need to do everything and join every program, the shiny object syndromes too, but the fear of missing out, how can people start to accept that they're going to miss out anyway? So why don't do it consciously? Yeah, well, I think it's about that message of determining what you actually want. So, you know, knowing what you do want to know about and what you don't want to know about sort of fits in with what you want to do and what you don't want to do. So, I don't know, Facebook, for example, I I do spend too much time on Facebook at times. And especially at the moment with all the, you know, the publicity around all their issues and so on, I'm starting to think, well, hopefully (laughs) things will drop a bit and then, you know, there'll be less distraction there anyway. And, you know, questioning, should I spend you know, the time that I do on there. But then on the other hand, things come up on there that do relate to the things that I want to know about, which is why I'm still there. It's, I suppose it's minimising the being distracted by the things that you don't need, if you like. But it's such a wonderful time that because there's so much information available and so many, I mean, we're just as an example, um, I've got my cleaner here at the moment and, and she found a bumblebee in the hall and she said, oh, look, is, you know, is it alive? And we were like prodding it, trying to see if it was alive or dead or whatever. And then we've determined it's alive. And she said, well, you know, we, don't we need to feed it something? Do we need to give it sugar or something? I was like, I don't know, I'll Google it. <laughs> so first thing after this, I'm going to go and Google what you do if you found a bumblebee and they don't seem to have much energy. But, you know, in the old days, what would you have done? Gone down the library and, um, you know, got a book out <laughs> and dealt with it in a week's time or something. So it's just such an amazing time that we have all this stuff at our fingertips and, and all this potential information. But our job I think is to be really clear about what we do want and what the roots are to that and to then turn off all those things that we don't want and and all those other roots so you know one of my friends laughs at me she does a lot of online training and she's always talking about live video and I don't do live video I mean I, I used to do um I did a few blabs when that was around and the the other one that I can't remember beginning with P Periscope, Periscope that was it but actually Although I'm fine on video, I'd much prefer two two up. So, you know, having a discussion, I don't like doing monologues on video. And so I just don't do it. And I know that Facebook Live is like really, at the moment, it may change, but it's a really good place to be for, you know, visibility and traffic. And everyone's saying, you know, everyone's saying you must get on um, on Facebook Live. And I just keep saying, well, I'm not going to because I don't like it. <laughs> And she keeps laughing at me saying, you know, call yourself a marketer and all that sort of stuff. But I really believe that, you know, you have to do the things that you enjoy and that you want to do. And um, I'm contemplating doing some interviews on Facebook Live because now you can do that. And that suits me. But other than that, I will not be doing, you know, hello, I'm just going on my morning walk. And, you know, oh, hello, so-and-so, how are you? And all this sort of stuff. I, I hate watching them. So why would I actually make them myself? But, you know, there's a lot of pressure telling you that you that you need to. And so I think that's why it's about being really centered yourself as to what works for me, what do I want to do? And then being really, you know, disciplined with yourself to do that. So do you think that's a recipe you said about the fear of missing out and also not having to do what everyone is doing? These are the two things that are pulling people in in, in these different directions and making them unfocused and not productive. 
if someone comes to you right now and they say, okay, I'm feeling really overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. I feel there's so much on my plate. What are the first steps you suggest to take? First thing is just a, a big conversation about, as I said, you know, what do you want? What is the intention? What are you trying to do with your life and your business? What are the bits that are causing the overwhelm, particularly? So to unpick some of those areas and to then get clear about the things that people need to do and the things they don't need to do. I, I worked with a, a friend recently who who was in that sort of situation, and she it was funny because she came around going. I'll bring my laptop. We can get going. We can sort out Evernote. We can do my email. You know, this isn't this isn't this. Shall I bring some lunch? And I was like, no, no, it's fine. We'll go out for lunch first when you get here. And I could see that she was all sort of like, oh, but we need to get going. We need to stop doing something. And I said, well, no, we're not going to do anything. We're just going to go and have lunch, have a nice cup of coffee, have a chat, find out what the issues are. And then we'll decide what the strategy is moving forward because it's all different for everybody. And, you know, you've got to be really, as I said, really clear about what people are struggling with. But also, as I said, more importantly, what they actually want, because people just get caught up in, as I say, either what people expect them to do or what society says you should be doing in things that we put on ourselves, you know, thinking, oh, I... I must do, I don't know, an hour of meditation every day. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. We create these. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's one thing that people, oh, I have to journal every day. I have to do yoga every day. I have to do meditate every day. Exactly. And, you know, all that miracle morning stuff and everything else. I mean, I, I don't even get up early, so I can't really <laughs> talk about that. But And also, it's funny, I like to have things that I do and routines and, and I set stuff up, but then I get bored so easily that I have to keep changing it. So, you know, doing those sorts of um, things where you feel you must do it because somebody said that's what successful people do. I mean, we just put pressure, extra pressure on ourselves uh, to do things. And, you know, I still get overwhelmed at times. And I was away all day yesterday chairing a conference and I got home and I was really tired and I was thinking, oh, what didn't I do today? Because I didn't look at my you know, to-do list. And most of it I obviously put off because I knew I wasn't going to get to do it. But I came home thinking, oh, I've got loads of emails. But then it's just like, well, what can I do? What can I do in this minute to make myself feel better? So, you know, I cleared some emails because I knew that would make me feel better. And then I went to bed <laughs> because I knew, you know, tomorrow is another day. And, you know, I've got more time today to sort of look and, and work out the priorities for the rest of the week. And, you know, the phrase I used to use when I was a social media trainer was you can only do what you can only do. So there's no point worrying about all the stuff you can't do. And there's no point sort of spending all your time and energy thinking about all the things that you could be doing, because ultimately you can only do what you can only do. So just focus on that and do that the best you possibly can once you're sure, you know, that it is the right thing, the thing that you should be doing. So, and I don't do a big thing about, you know, massive goal setting things and objectives and everything else because as you can tell I'd get bored and go off and do something else anyway I think intentions for me work much better you know with so sort of broad more mission-based planning if you like and then making sure that what you do goes towards that and not towards the things that you haven't planned to do and just reviewing that on a regular basis but a big part of it I think is having that time for yourself I was um, listening to somebody the other day who was talking even about leaders in organizations that they're normally paid to think, but actually they spend most of their time doing. And, you know, if they actually stopped and allowed themselves, you know, two hours a day to do some um, thinking, then, um, you know, they'd actually do what they're being paid to do. And that's probably the same thing for entrepreneurs. Yes, exactly. And, do you know, the bit that I think every time I drive down the road, I don't drive very often because I work from home and I work in London a lot where I go on the train. Every time I drive, I think, oh, I must do this more often because I get loads of ideas because that's where I think, you know, the shower, uh, the car, 
And that's about it, really. When I walk, I listen to podcasts. So I do have some sort of, you know, thinking time, but it's mostly about specific things. But when I drive, I just sort of drive along and think, oh, I need to do that. Oh, I need to do that. Oh, I haven't thought about that. Why don't I restructure this that way and all that sort of thing? And I always think, you know, I must take more journeys (laughs) for no apparent reason. (laughs) For me, it's a plane. I I am very creative on a plane. I came up with 100 topics for my podcast on uh, on flight. How do you tie that with well-being? If you know what you want, and then you start to focus more on that, and you outsource the things that you don't want to do. In the beginning of the business, that's quite hard because you maybe don't have the financial means, but at some point you can do it. How do you tie that into well-being? Is that just a part? Is then I'm just feeling well, and then I'm taken care of? Then I don't need to think of self-care if I'm just doing what I want to do? No, you absolutely always need to think of self-care. But let me just go back a bit to that comment about the outsourcing. So I I use something called the five fundamentals in in my business. And the first one is simplify. The second one is systemize. And that is about outsourcing things and automating things. Less about outsourcing, actually. That comes up in the third one. And, And also about systemizing. So we quite often in our business end up doing things the long way around because we keep thinking, oh, I need to do X, Y, Z, but actually that's going to take a bit of time. So I don't. So I end up doing ABC. And every time I do ABC, it takes too long. And I know if I did X, Y, Z, ABC would be much easier or wouldn't be needed or whatever, but we don't carve out that time to to do that. And I think that's a real key thing that that when we're starting a business or when we're developing a business or when we're doing anything in our life that we work out the best, simplest, easiest, easiest route to doing something and actually work out a way for that to consistently happen. So things like the podcast, I'm sure you have the same. I have a template for how I put together my podcast, um, which means I don't have to think about it. I just know exactly what I need to do at every step of the way. And most of the time, I don't even look at the list because I do know what to do, but it's there. But it also means it's easier to outsource when I'm ready because I've got all the tasks and so on lined up. Um, So a lot for me is about creating those systems and processes, which sounds boring to people who don't like systems and processes, but actually it frees you up to do, you know, the stuff that you do prefer to do. Then it's about sharing. So getting other people involved, outsourcing, that sort of thing. And then self-care is the, the fourth S. And you do have to make time for it, for sure, because if you don't, unless there's something that you do naturally. So for example, I love reading. So you couldn't stop me reading. Even if I was really busy, I would just find time to do that. Not because I'm planning it, but just because, you know, have a quick sneak look at my Kindle as I'm doing something. Or when I'm on the train, I do quite a lot of reading, but I always read before I go to sleep as well. Um, So, you know, I do quite a lot of reading, but I sing as another option. Um, I've read all the stuff about yoga and uh, uh, meditation and how good they are for you and how you must do them and all that sort of thing. And firstly, as you know, I don't do must do things anyway. (laughs) So that put me off. But I read somewhere that singing was as good for you as either of those two things from a sort of mindfulness and a physical and a mental point of view. So I joined a choir. So I sing quite a lot now, not just in the, the weekly practices. And I have to get out of the house to do that. So I have one evening a week where I, I can't do anything other than sing because that's what I've planned to do. So I have you know, made some plans to do that self-care thing. But then also I think it's really important about sort of living your days based on your body clock, particularly if you have your own business, because unless you've got clients making you do things at certain times, you can run it to suit you. So I used to do nine. Oh, thank you for that. <laughs> I, I, I'm a night owl and I, so I. <laughs> I do not like to have an eight o'clock meeting or even nine o'clock. No, I'm struggling at 10, to be fair. <laughs> so, 
I did, you know, when I first started my business, I did a bit more of the nine to five and then obviously more 24 seven. Now I really often don't start doing anything of any use till about 11 o'clock. Not that I haven't done things in the house or potted around or read some books or whatever, but then I work really late at night as, as you sound like you do as well. I'm lucky that my husband gets my daughter up for school so I don't have to wake up early. I've crafted it to suit me and it suits me so much better. I'm much more productive. I feel better. And in fact, I saw an article yesterday that said if you're a night owl and you try and fit in with everyone else's timescales, that's more detrimental to your health. So although all the, the advice says, you know, the hours before 12 o'clock when you sleep are far more useful to you, and I keep ignoring those things because obviously it doesn't work for me. This other research says that uh, you need to do what suits you. And I don't know if you've read that book, The Power of When. I can't remember who wrote it. It came out about 18 months ago. I think that he was on a lot of the podcasts and so on. And he basically identifies four different types, and, and we're uh, wolves. I think we're wolves. Anyway, and he basically explains the four different chronotypes and then he gives you for everything you do in your life when the best time would be to do it. So I don't even drink coffee now until near a midday because he says you don't need it when you first get up because you're still you know, coming to sort of thing. And you need it at 12 o'clock-ish, depending on obviously your timings, because that gives you that little kick that you need. Whereas, you know, early birds, lions, as he called them, if they're up at like four or five o'clock in the morning, they'll have drunk their coffee by six weren't they (laughs) but you know he's got a whole thing about when to make decisions when the best time is to spend money you know all those sort of really random things and when the best time is based on your you know your chronotype and uh, it's certainly it's made a big difference for me just confidently relaxing into doing what suits me as opposed to what society is you know in general expects of you if you like but then of course it all goes out the window when I have to go and chair a conference or go and run a workshop at nine o'clock for a client (laughs) Yeah, we make exceptions. We make exceptions. But it sounds conflicting, productivity and self-care in some way. But it's still, those are the two things you focus on. Well, you see, when I talk about productivity, I talk about getting stuff done productively so that you have more time to do the things that you want to do. So for me, it's not about being more productive so you can get more stuff done, albeit that might be what you need to do sometimes. Um, My focus is much more about, you know, do the things that you need to do in the easiest, quickest way uh, so that you get more time to do the things that you want to do so yeah it is it is potentially conflicting but then on the other hand if people generally were to improve their productivity sensible people wouldn't put more stuff in they would just use that free time for the thinking or for the self-care or whatever I, I think maybe often we don't do that we often just add more in if we get more productive and get quicker at doing things then we just add more stuff in and maybe sometimes that needs to be the case because you've got a big workload and you do need to get more done. So being productive to enable you to do that makes sense. But then that's self-care in itself because the more relaxed you can feel about being on top of your workload and that you feel organised and that you feel that you've not missed anything, you know, the better. And I mean, one example of that would be, um, you've heard the term presumably inbox zero, which gets bandied around all the time and mostly bandied around by people who have the wrong end of the stick. People think it means that you don't have any emails in your inbox and actually what it really means is you don't have anything in your inbox that you don't know about so you could still have 300 emails in your inbox but you know what's in there you've pulled out the things you need to do and you know you're not behind on any of it nothing's hidden in there because you don't know actually know what's in there so that's actually about peace of mind and in effect you know well-being self-care because you're productive enough to reduce that overwhelm to reduce the issue 
potentially caused by having lots of emails. So being productive doesn't just mean add more stuff in. It actually means, you know, be productive so that you can add stuff in, but it might just be nice stuff. Might be go for a a walk or, you know, do some more stuff with your family or whatever. You know, that's for me what it's about. So it sounds like actually that productivity, a part of it is self-care, like in book zero, like if I feel good about my email, I'm taking care of myself as well, you know, because self-care sometimes sounds like, oh, you have to do yoga or, you know, self-care is a much broader term for you. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, and I definitely don't do yoga. All I can think about with yoga is that I'd be sitting there going, I've got to do what with my leg? (laughs) Well, for me, self-care is things like the fact that I have a really nice cup of coffee sort of at lunchtime-ish, you know, as I say, 11 or 12 o'clock-ish, and I sit down in my armchair in my office because I have an armchair because that's a nice thing to sit in, and I read a book. You know, that for me is a really lovely ritual that I do on most days that I'm in the office, that, you know, that I'm at home in my office, to make me feel good. And, okay, that doesn't sell any more stuff. (laughs) That doesn't earn any money, but it does actually, you know, centre me, calm me, keep me sort of feeling like, you know, I've got that balance, feeling like, and I never talk about work-life balance, I talk about work-life integration, because I don't think it is really balanced and it shouldn't be balanced because you step up in at different times with different things. But, you know, that that just as a ritual for me is really, really important. So, yeah, and, and I think, you know, well-being is a big topic at the moment in the corporate world as well, not just in, well, it's not, I don't think we use well-being as small business owners very much. It's probably more of a corporate term, in fact. And, you know, the conference I was at yesterday, there was a lot of talk about, you know, changing the way offices are set up. And somebody said yesterday that they'd moved their office around and they told everyone they couldn't eat at their desk anymore, which caused massive trauma and hoo-ha. There was loads of discussion about, well, if I have a cough suite, is that acceptable? And all the sort of change management issues that you can imagine. But the reason they did it was so that people would actually physically leave their desk and would congregate in a social area and actually talk to people and their colleagues and be social, which ordinarily they weren't doing because they were just staying at the desk for the whole day. And he was saying, you know, they encouraged them to get up every hour and just have a wander around, make a cup of tea or go and talk to somebody or whatever as well, because, you know, research shows that sitting all day is is a really bad thing for us. So it's a massive thing. I think well-being and self-care in, in this day and age where there's so much frenetic activity and so much pressure on people, I think is just so important. And, you know, it's no surprise, I think, that there's so much illness around just because, you know, people are doing too much and, and not looking after themselves. So... It sounds like a recipe is to slow down, to speed up. Yes, exactly. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true because, again, if you take that time out and think about the stuff that you want to do and the stuff that you don't want to do, you know, you can really focus on doing the, the really good stuff that you enjoy that is the most lucrative for you potentially as a business owner and sort of relax into just dropping the stuff that you probably think you should do, but actually you don't have to and actually no one will notice. So things like, you know, our podcasts are a good example. You know, when I first started, I was doing three different images for Facebook and three different images for Twitter. And my show notes I was doing myself were really comprehensive, like really long. I had transcripts and, you know, did all of that stuff. And I've honed it and honed it and honed it. And now it's really simple. And I don't think it's made any difference to the number of listeners or the quality of the content. But it has made a big difference for me because it means I can publish it more consistently because it's not the bane of my life that it was when I set up this very complicated process that I thought I needed because 
in fact, somebody sent me their own template and I modelled it on that. And um, she'd had some training with some podcast guru. So obviously I thought that must be how I must do it. And uh, I think a lot of this stuff is about knowing enough to build some confidence to just do your own thing and not, you know, have to follow along with what everyone else says you should do because, you know, you often don't have to. <laughs> perfect. That's a perfect ending to a great interview. Thank you for being on the show, Joy. And I'm excited that my show note writer is going to be now surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yes, hello, hello, show note Thank you for connecting us. Thank you for being on the show, Joe. I'm sure we'll connect again soon. Lovely. Thank you. Go to sigma.com forward slash 184 for the show notes. And there you'll also find links to Joe Dots. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, please share, subscribe, and give the show a review on iTunes. See you in the next episode. <laughs>